0: I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. We're continuing on in our series in 1 Corinthians uh, that we've entitled Course Correction. And I hope it's been an encouraging time for you thus far in God's Word together and hopefully a challenging time for us as well. I think that will be the case this morning, Uh, as I know I've been greatly challenged with the text this morning, and I trust you will be as well. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll pick up in verse 12. If you're using your pew Bible today, page 959, uh, please follow along there at your seats as we read God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is continuing his writing and instruction here to the believers in Corinth. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? Then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word. We recognize that your word is truth. We pray this morning that the spirit of God would open our hearts and minds to the truth of your word, Lord, that we might be changed by it. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for the church. Thank you for each individual member that is a part of the body and the role that you have given for each of us to play. We pray that we would be obedient to you, Lord, and in doing so, we would bring you glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned before, Paul was writing to the believers in Corinth, and uh, contextually, Paul is sharing this information, this instruction, to the believers here in the context of spiritual gifts. Last week, we looked at verses one through 11 and the giving of gifts as God saw fit within the body of Christ. And I just want to remind us, if you jump back in chapter 12 to verse four, Just to set the context here for Paul's instruction, Paul says there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Paul reminds them at the outset here regarding spiritual gifts and the gifts that have been given in the body of Christ that it is the same God, the same Spirit, the same Lord who empowers all in everyone. Verse 7, he says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. There's this understanding that God has given gifts within the body of Christ as as he sees fit for the glory of God and for the good of the body. Verse 11 says, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So there's this kind of backdrop to the text that we're looking at today in verses 12 to the end of the chapter that spiritual gifts is what Paul has been emphasizing, what he's been delivering them instruction about, spiritual gifts. And he wants them to understand really in the giving and receiving of spiritual gifts, there is no point that the believer in Christ has any room for boasting or glorying in themselves or the gifts that they have because these are given by God for God's purposes. And so that brings us to these verses before us today where now he's going to give some instruction and help them to understand of the necessity of the body of Christ being one and yet the individual members of that one body All doing their part. And so this morning, if you are here and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if Christ is your Savior, you are part of the body of Christ. It's incredible to consider this. It's amazing to think about this. And so as we approach the text today, this is relevant and applicable for you and I today as believers in Christ. And so here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to point out five truths from the passage this morning that I think are very important for us. I want to ask a couple questions, and then I'm going to give us some points of action this morning. So truth number one, the body of Christ is one. We are one body. Would you read that with me? The body of Christ is one. We are one body. Now, this is so important. Look at verses 12 and 13. We've already read it. I want to read it again. He says, "...just as the body is one, and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body." Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all are made to drink of one spirit. Paul begins this section by reminding them of what he already told them previously when he was talking about spiritual gifts. We are one in Christ. There is one God, one Father, one Lord, one spirit, and we are baptized by that same spirit into the body of Christ. We are one body. In these verses before us this morning, 19 times. The body is going to be mentioned in these verses 19 times. Have you ever had someone repeat something to you because they want you to get it and they're like, say it back to me, say it back to me, because you want them to, to repeat it and memorize it? Paul uses the word body 19 times in these verses. You think he's trying to communicate something here that he wants us to process and understand? And what a magnificent, magnificent statement and illustration, if you will, that he's going to provide in this section of Scripture about how the body functions, the human body, how it functions, and how that translates over into the body of Christ, the church, and how we are supposed to function. Look at verse 12. "'Just as the body is one and as many members and all members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ.'" Listen, a lot of people would look at this and say, well, you can't draw the conclusion that because he's using the physical body, that he's speaking about the spiritual body. Well, you can, because right here in verse 12, he says, just as in the physical realm that the body has many members, and he talks about it in the next few verses, the eye and the mouth and the ear and the hand and the foot, he says, just as the body has many members and yet it's one total body, so it is with.'" Christ. You understand what he's saying here? He's Paul's drawing a conclusion for us so we don't have to connect these dots. He's drawing the conclusion because we can read these verses and think, man, 19 times Paul talks about the body. Is he talking about the human body or is he talking about the the spiritual body, the body of Christ? Is he talking about the church or is he talking about this flesh and blood that I have and, and all of the parts of this body? And he connects the dots for us in verse 12 by saying. Just as there's a body that has many members, as you see the physical body, so it is with Christ. We are one body in Jesus Christ. And here's why this is so important. Because if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, your primary identity is a follower of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. That's who I am. Our primary association as we walk through this world and in this life, is that we are a member of the body of Christ, the church. We belong to the church, to the body of Christ. You belong to the body of Christ if you are in Jesus. That's your primary identity. It's magnificent. It's incredible. It's amazing that that's who we are in Jesus. Jesus, we have the same marching orders, if you will, the same goal in mind. We're called by the same name. We serve the same Lord. If we are in Christ Jesus, we are part of His body, the church. That's your identity. That's my identity. There's many people that are walking all over the face of this earth that want identity with someone or something. They want to belong. They want to be a part of something. Listen, if you are a follower of Christ, you are part of the body. And no one can take that from you. No one can tell you otherwise. This is what God's word says to us. He says in verse 13, in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. There's so much just in this verse, theologically and in our understanding of who we are in Christ and what we've been empowered to do in Christ, just in verse 13. But look at what he says here. In one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Let's connect these dots for a moment. This is so valuable Because previously in the text, he speaks about the spirit of God giving gifts as he sees fit within the body. We're gonna see in the passage before us as we go a little bit further that each member has his part to do as determined by God. But here in verse 13, he says, the same spirit who gives gifts as he wills is the same spirit that baptizes or places you and I Into the body of Christ. The same spirit that gives gifts is the same spirit that places us in the body of Christ. One spirit that does this work. And he says, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. We are participants in the spirit of God and the working of the spirit of God. He's placed us in the body and he's empowered us In the body, and and if I can make this a little bit more personal, because I know we're talking collectively, and he's, He's empowered us and He's placed us, He has empowered you personally, baptized you personally, placed you personally into the body of Christ, and He has gifted you personally into the body of Christ. And I think that's important because sometimes we can separate ourselves from the whole collective body. We'd be like, yeah, it's great for that person. I know he did it for them, but not for me. No, yes, he has for you as well. This is what he's done. And I love that Paul says this. He says, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. Paul is including everyone that is a follower of Jesus into the body of Christ, that it doesn't matter if you had means or did not have means. It doesn't matter your ethnicity, your race, your background. It doesn't matter how bad or good you think you were or not. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how poor you are. No matter who you are, if you know Christ as Savior, the same Spirit has placed you into the body of Christ, has gifted you with gifts, it empowers you to use them. Amen. We are one body in Jesus Christ, and I wonder: do we believe that this morning? Do you personally believe that this morning? I remember when I was in college, we did. The, I told you about going to New York City doing this open air evangelism, and one time we went. We were in Manhattan. Times Square area, Manhattan, back and forth. And we were sharing the gospel with people, and I had my Bible, and we were just walking up to people, asking them uh, about some questions as it relates to God and what their beliefs are about God. And I remember one particular day that we were doing this, I was kind of standing off at distance by myself talking to someone, and some guy came over, a real big guy came over to me, and I'll never forget, he was walking with a cane. I don't know if he had the cane because he needed to walk with it or if he just had it in case he needed to use it. I didn't know. And he came over to me, big guy. I mean, I'm talking very tall. Very, I mean, you know, he came over to me, grabbed my Bible out of my hand as I was talking to someone and he held it up in the air. I'll never forget this. He held it up in the air and he said, this book is a book of fairy tales. Is what he told me. Some of you might be appalled by that. You might be like, how dare he? Like it happened. I was in college and I remember him holding. The only thing I was thinking was like, man, if you want to keep that Bible, you keep that Bible because I'm going to go over here, right? This is what I'm thinking in my mind. But he's like, this is a book of fairy tales. And, and I was able to have a conversation with the man, and, and we were able to go back and forth. And he did give me my Bible back, my, my fairy tales back, according to him. But I remember him holding it up and holding it in there and saying, this book is a book of fairy tales. And, and I've shared that with people in various settings when I'm teaching or when I'm preaching God's word. And everybody kind of has the same reaction it's almost a gasp. Just what, just what you demonstrated this morning, where you're like, how could anybody say that about the word of God? Well, he's lost. He doesn't have the spirit of God in him. His eyes haven't been opened to the truth of the word of God. And so he looks at this as nothing more than a book of fairy tales and he'll proclaim it. He'll say it out loud to people. This is a book of fairy tales. And here's what dawned on me not long into ministry is that Christians will gasp at the thought of someone saying that, but not even blink an eye at our actions that demonstrate that. Don't we demonstrate in our actions sometimes in the body of Christ that this is just a book of fairy tales? It, it's not truth, it's not powerful, it's not alive, it's not active, it's not authoritative. And I believe that's why so often We see believers in Jesus Christ who have been baptized by the Spirit of God into the body of Christ, empowered by the same Spirit with gifts, called by the same God to utilize them and sit idly by and watch as everybody else does it. Because we don't really believe it. If you're here today and you're sitting in that pew and you would say, I believe the word of God is the word of God. I believe that what God's word said is true. Then listen to me. That means you personally have been given a gift by the spirit of God for the edification of the body of Christ. Are you using it? Do you believe God has called you to do that? Because we have far too many believers in Christ, myself included, when we know what God has called us to do, we're content to watch someone else do it. And that must not be the case. And what we communicate as we go in and out of these doors every Sunday is that, yeah, this is great. Like, I believe it, but eh, maybe not really. And that's a problem. That's a problem. Who do we believe? What do we believe? Do we believe the body of Christ is one, one body? But secondly, second truth here is that the body is made up of many members. We would have no problem agreeing with this. He talks about it in verse 12. The body is one, has many members, all the members of the body, though many are one body. we one body, but many members. Look again, verses 14 and following. The body does not consist of one member, but of many. This is the reality. If you look at any human body and you look at anybody... And he's using such a practical picture here for us, practical illustration. You look at the human body, and no one would look at the human body and be like, yeah, that's just one big mess. No, there's individually members of the body. So I have a hand, and I have a foot, and I have a nose, and eyes, and ears, and I have a mouth, I have fingers, and toes, and I have a, a heart and lungs that you can't see but are within. All of these parts, all of the parts of the body make up the one Body And he says, so it is true with Christ, as the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? The body is made up of many members, individuals that are part of one collective body of the whole, individuals that are gifted and made up in different ways according to how God has seen fit, but many members are part of the one body. There's diversity here. There's an understanding here. Just as he mentioned previously, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we are one body, but we are many members. When pastor says about this passage, he says, in the present passage, Paul explains and illustrates the nature and importance of the unity of the church itself, and then again, the importance of diversity as a key factor in that unity. The diversity of the church is a God-ordained means of bringing the fellowship to oneness, but unless each diverse member recognizes and accepts his part in the whole body, diversity will divide rather than unite, destroy rather than build up, bring discord rather than harmony and result in serving rather than self-giving. This is the understanding that Paul's wanting the believers in Corinth to be brought to. There was a lot of individuality in the Corinthian church. There was a lot of people who were wanting to do their own thing, who were going this way or going that way. And Paul wants them to understand the same God has placed you into the same body with gifts as he sees fit. And yes, You are many members, but you're part of one body. And God's desire is that each member would recognize not only individually how they've been gifted and how God has empowered them, but recognize it in view of the collective whole of the body of Christ. Each part is important. Uh, This past weekend, I was power washing my driveway, and I have this power washer that's like a surface cleaner. It's one of those round things that has multiple heads that like hit the concrete so you can clean it. And I started a power shop, got that thing going, and I was getting no water coming out of that surface cleaner. And so uh, I couldn't figure it out. So I started where the connection point of the high-powered hose was uh, to the surface cleaner and took that apart, cleaned all that out, and started running water through that part of it, and water was coming clean. So I was like, wasn't that. Started it back up, redid it, nothing coming out the bottom. Then I went to the next section of it where there's a connecting hose there, a pressure point, and unscrewed that, cleaned all that out, water's flowing through it, reconnected it, nothing. So I finally get to the bottom of the surface cleaner where there's the rotating heads there, and I take that off, clean out those, and here, that's what was clogged up was these two parts on the very end that are only about this big at the very end, but it it was clogging everything up. And so I got all that cleaned out, put it together, put it back out, and I was able to clean my driveway. It looks great. It looks so clean, so nice. You can have a picnic on my driveway right now, okay? That's how clean it looks. And so I was able to get all that figured out. But, but it took me time. It took me effort because I had to see what part was not functioning as it was supposed to. And when it wasn't functioning as it was supposed to, just one little part affected the entire unit. But I want you to understand that's one unit. It's a surface cleaner. But it's made up of very important parts. And even the smallest parts had an effect on how effective that cleaner was and if it could do its job correctly. And here's what I believe Paul's communicating in this. Yes, we are one body. Yes, we've been baptized by one spirit into one body. Yes, the body of Christ is one. But equally true, it is comprised of many members, individually a part of it, that have to be working in conjunction with one another, with the gifts that God has given, so that the body of Christ might be able to function the way that God anticipates it to function. You are individually a part of that body. I am individually a part of that body. One body, many parts. Leaves to the third point. Each member of the body is needed. Each member of the body is needed. And I don't know who needs to hear this today. I don't know who he needs to hear this today, but maybe you need to hear this today. You are a needed member of the body of Christ. You're needed. You're needed in the body of Christ. You're a needed member of the body of Christ. Verses 21 and 22, he says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are Indispensable. Paul makes something abundantly clear here. He says that no one has the right to be able to say to anyone else, I have no need of you. What's interesting is look at what he chooses here. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And he, and he points out things that like are pretty important here, like the eyes, you wouldn't be able to see, right? The head You wouldn't be able to function and think. And he points out other parts of the body that maybe aren't deemed as necessary and saying, listen, no one has the ability to say to any other member of the body, I don't need you. We need one another. Each member of the body is needed, it says. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would be the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Again, God has arranged the body, he says, as he sees fit. And no one can say that because I'm not this, then I'm not important or needed. And no one can say because you're not this, I don't need you. No, he says that every part of the body is needed. We all need one another in the body of Christ. This is abundantly clear here. He makes it crystal clear here. Each member of the body is needed because God has arranged, verse 18, the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. And I love the emphasis. Look at verse 18, the emphasis here. He says, God arranged the members in the body, and then look at what he says after that. Each one of them. As he chose. It would have been sufficient to say, God has arranged all the members of the body as he chose. But look at the emphasis that's here in verse 18. God has arranged the members, and then he says, each one of them. Like there's an individual recognition here that not collectively, just as the whole, God has arranged all the members, but he goes even very specific in verse 18 each one of them as he sees fit, as he has determined for the glory of God, for the edification of the body in the unity of the body of Christ. Each member of the body is absolutely needed. That means you are needed within the body of Christ. And it leads to the fourth fourth point. Each member of the body has a contribution to make within the body. Each member has a contribution to make. Verse 22 again, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are what? What's the word he uses here? Say it loud. Indispensable. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which are more presentable parts do not require but God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it when you look at this it could be a little confusing but he talks about the parts of the body that have to be treated with more modesty or the ones the, the parts of the body that we don't necessarily have seen our less honorable parts are bestowed with greater honor And the analogy that you can think of when it comes to the physical body is the only thing you can see in the physical body is what is on the outside, not what is within, not as what below the surface, like important things, your heart, your lungs, right, your kidneys, all that that is within that is not exposed. It's treated with modesty, it's covered. Those things that we don't necessarily on the outside see, but underneath are so valuable and important, we treat with even greater honor. And and Paul's making a point here that there, there are those things and those gifts that he's mentioned earlier that are very much prominent and on display. And it would appear in Corinth, believe it or not, in Corinth, there were people who were boastful and prideful about the gifts that they had. And there were people who had these boastful, prideful things and gifts that would say to the ones that seem less important, I have no need of you. And Paul says, you cannot say that. That is completely incorrect. And what he does is he exalts the gifts and exalts the body of Christ and those that would seem to be less honorable as even having greater value. Each member has a contribution to make. Each one is needed just as it would be wrong for the believers in Corinth or any believer today to say because of a prominent public gift that they have, I don't have any need of you, the one that has a gift that maybe isn't so prominently on display publicly, just as it would be wrong for any individual to say that, it is equally wrong for any individual to say that they don't need me because God has not gifted me the way they've gifted them. And I think oftentimes in the body of Christ, we can see guilt in both directions. Those that could be guilty of sinful pride in saying, I have no need of you because look at what God has done in me. And equally those that would say, you have no need of me because look at what God has done in you. The body of Christ is one with many members and each member is needed and each one has a contribution to make. We have a call to obedience, church, that if we know Christ as Savior and we are members of the body to be serving and exercising the gifts God has given to us within the body. It's not optional. It's not something that God says if you feel like it, if you want to, if it you know, really gets you going in the morning, serve. No, it's called on the life of every believer to serve. Because every believer, every member of the body has a contribution to make. And number five, each member of the body has a responsibility to care for the health of the body. If you're here today and you're like, yeah, I don't really care about the health of the body of Christ. Then you are an heir. Because every member of the body has a responsibility to care for the health of the body. Look at verses 25 and 26. He says there may be no, that there may be no division in the body... That the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. As we've already read, God appointed in the church apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, tongues. Again, he goes through not only the gifts that he's given, but offices specifically that God has given within the church and for the establishing of the church And he reminds them yet again of the responsibility of those within the body to care for one another and to exercise those gifts for the health of the body. Each member has a responsibility to care for the body of Christ. Verse 25, I'm sorry, verse 26, I think summarizes this so well. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. God's desire is not for us to be self-sufficient, independent of the body of Christ. We're to depend on, participate with, and contribute to, and benefit from our identification with and participation in the body. If you are part of the body of Christ, if you have participated and served within the body, if you have been the recipient of the care and grace that comes from being a part of the body, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. How as members we care, love, and unify together in caring for one another. If you've not experienced that, you need to. And so often the reason, not always, but oftentimes the reason people that identify as a follower of Christ say, I've never experienced that within the body of Christ. Not always, but oftentimes it's because there's not a commitment on that person's part to edify, to build up and unify within the body of Christ themselves. Not always, but in most cases it would seem when people complain or have complaints about the body, It's because they're looking at things through a lens of selfishness and pride rather than humility and service. It should be hard. It should be one of the hardest things we would have to do to remove ourselves from fellowship with the body of Christ that we have been serving within. It should be so hard to be able to have identification with the body of Christ locally in the local body and commit ourselves in service and benefit from the unity of the body of Christ to be able to completely sever ourselves from that body to go somewhere else. Every believer is supposed to be contributing, serving, loving, caring, and cultivating unity within the body of Christ. And so often, we can be so selfish about what we want rather than what the body needs. And that's not God's intention for the body. Not all may be gifted with the same gifts. Not all are evangelists, but all are called to evangelize. Not all have the gifts of mercy, but all are called to be merciful. Not all have the gift of encouragement, but we're all called to be encouragers. And not all have the gift of leadership, but all are called to lead others towards Christ, and not all have the gifts of service, giving or hospitality, but we're all called to serve, to give generously, and to be hospitable to all. Each member has the responsibility to care for the health of the body. I wonder, how are we doing personally with that? Let me give us some questions to consider. Three questions. Number one, are you part of the body? Are you part of the body of Christ? If you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you would answer that question with a yes. Yes. I'm part of the body of Christ. Which leads to a second question. Do you care for the body? Do you care for the body? What does that look like for you? If you were to say yes, how? How are you caring for the body of Christ? Number three, are you contributing to the body? Are you contributing to the body? I've had the privilege to serve for 20 years in in full-time pastoral ministry in the 20 years that God has gifted me to be able to serve in full-time ministry, as you can imagine as a pastor, I have heard a lot of complaints within the body of Christ. And you know what I find so often is the case? Is that the ones who are quick to complain and have the most complaints are the ones who are not participating in serving and sacrificing in their service to the body of Christ. Isn't it true that so often when we complain, we are not complaining about things that God has said, but about our personal preferences, our personal opinions, our personal wants and desires? Shouldn't we as believers in Jesus Christ be focused on the care, contribution, and unity of the body rather than our own personal vendettas, opinions, or wants? Let me give some points of actions. Number one, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're not part of the body of Christ, you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can be saved. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. You can be part of the body of Christ today through faith in Jesus Christ. I would love to talk to you about that. Any one of our pastors would. Anyone that invited you this morning to come would love to share with you how you can know Christ and be part of the body of Christ. That's the first point of action. You need to know Christ. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you as a point of action to pray for the health, unity, and growth of the body of Christ. Pray for the health, unity, and growth of the body of Christ. If we are consistently and constantly praying for the health, unity, and growth of the body of Christ, there is a lot less room for us to complain and for us to demonstrate any kind of selfishness in our complaints as it relates to the body. So commit to that each day, praying for the health, growth, unity of the body of Christ. And number three, contribute to the healthy unity and growth of the body of Christ. Contribute to the health, unity, and growth of the body of Christ. How are you contributing to the health, growth, and unity of the body of Christ? We've already established if we believe this is truth, that we've been baptized by the same spirit into the same body and been given gifts to be used in that context. How are you personally contributing to the health, growth, and unity of the body of Christ? Now, before we close in singing this morning, we wanted to make this simple. I wanted to make this simple this morning. And so a simple question to ask this morning is, are you serving and contributing within the body? If you hear it and you're like, no, I haven't been. I I just haven't been, but it's pretty clear I need to be. Um, We're thrilled to hear that. Because whether you know it or not, we literally have hundreds and hundreds of people, and many of you in this room, that during every service hour are serving. Some behind the scenes, some up front, that we could not, we could not do what we do without God's people serving in the capacities that they serve. I want to thank you if you serve here today. Thank you for your service. Thank you for the way that you honor the Lord in utilizing the gifts that God has given to you. We are blessed that we literally have hundreds and hundreds of servants of the Lord here that are sacrificially serving and using their gifts. But if you're here today and you're not serving currently and you would like to serve, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to take the first step in doing that, the opportunity this week to do that want to direct you to our website, MBC95.org/serve. And if you would like to serve, you can go to the website there, and it's on our, your smartphone, if you have the Church Center app. very simple. There's two basically clicks you have to make, whether on the website or on the Church center app, or on your, your mobile uh, device. All you do is you go to the "About Us," or what we do, rather. Click on that and click on serve at Maranatha and that will bring you up to a screen that has all kinds of areas that you can click on to be able to serve. And to make this even easier for you, scan that code. You can scan it right from your seat. You can scan that code and it will take you directly to that page that you can look down and see all of the areas that are listed there that you can serve within the body of Christ in contributing to the body of Christ. If you're not serving in any capacity and you think you're not needed, you're needed. If you're not serving and you think you haven't been gifted to serve, you've been gifted to serve. If you're not serving and you think God doesn't expect me to or want me to, God does expect you to, he does want you to, and the body needs you to. And so point of action to take from you, if you forget everything else, know that God has given you a gift to be used in the body of Christ for his glory and for the good of the body. Get serving in some capacity for the glory of God. There's no excuse for us not to serve. We can all be serving in some capacity, contributing to the body of Christ. And so I wanna encourage you to do that before you leave today, scan that code. Back at the Welcome Center, the codes are back there. You can scan on if you wanna pull up that page. We have needs in all different areas would love to see you serve the Lord in this capacity. Don't forget, we are many members, but one body. And each member is equally needed as we want to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ together.